Kansas City Royals are already running into issues around their next stadium that could shape a big part of their future. And later, we will hear from an innovator in the fan experience space and New York Jets cornerback Sauce Gardner. It's Wednesday, August 30th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Kansas City Royals, like so many people in America, are having some tricky discussions with their landlord. Joining me once again is Front Office Sports Newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello. Great to have you. So the Royals are eyeing two different sites for their next ballpark. What's the latest with those? Yeah, so uh, about a week ago, we had a big formal press conference that the team held, and they've got two finalist sites that they're looking at. One is in downtown Kansas City near the arena, near the Power and Light District, Uh, you know, sort of a traditional urban MLB ballpark kind of model. And the other one is... um, north of downtown and a much larger site that would open up a lot more possibilities for mixed-use development. And that's sort of the debate that we've got going on right now. But we're sort of into hard reality time that, you know, we had a lot of pretty pictures and renderings and, and hopeful aspirations and, you know, lots of lofty projections of what the revenue was going to be and what the impact of this new facility was going to be in either location. But now the hard, hard, part kind of comes that they the royals whether it be that downtown site in jackson county missouri or the more suburban site in clay county uh they've got to they've got to do a deal with the government even though this is going to be mostly privately funded and jackson county sort of saying whoa like before we move forward here we need a lot more information and we actually need a define definitive lease extension deal in place uh before we move forward, because there's going to be some uh, sales tax levies and such that would help fund this project. Uh, But basically, Jackson County is saying, hey, we need a lot more information before we move beyond the uh, pretty rendering phase. Right. And, you know, everyone loves the pretty rendering phase. Everything's shiny and bright and futuristic. (laughs) Uh, And so Jackson County is where they are right now, correct? Yes. And so they're asking for the Royals to commit to staying in the area for some number of decades before they commit to all this. Okay. Correct. is is does it look like it's going to be easier, you know, in Jackson County or in the more suburban location, or is it all just kind of like there's a whole lot of hurdles to get through any path they take? Well, building a stadium anywhere in any location at any time is is hard business. Uh, but I will say to answer your question that the the more seamless path would be to stay in Jackson County and do that downtown site. Uh, you're dealing with your existing landlord. You're just modifying some terms of, uh, you know, it's almost to use your initial analogy in the intro, sticking with that landlord, maybe going to another building that that same company owns kind of thing, as opposed to going with a completely different landlord. And so there's some, some, uh, easier pathways there. Uh, but the Clay County site, it's 90 acres versus 27. And so what the Royals really have to decide is sort of where uh, the juice is worth the squeeze there to go through the extra hurdles that you would have to do to get there. And does that much larger development opportunity make it worth sort of ripping off the Band-Aid in Jackson County and going in this other direction? 
and they're going to want, yeah, I think it's a sales tax um, to kind of funnel toward their stadium, correct? Whichever correct. path they take. And is they've that got it a- now and they want to extend it. And they're, and so the, and the clock is ticking on this. So to do this, you need voter approval, the Royals to sort of make all of their timing work and open a new ballpark by 2028. They would really like to have this on a ballot there in April of 2024. Well, in order to do that, you need to have a defined agreement to get on that ballot by December of this year. And to get on the ballot, Jackson County is saying uh, we need that defined lease extension, which then gets into all of your traditional negotiations with your landlord to continue the metaphor. So there's a lot of steps that have to be had. And again, like I said, this is we're moving past the uh, pretty rendering phase and we're into the hard part now. And is it too early to ask what happens if the voters say, actually, we don't feel like taxing ourselves any more than we already have? So this is why they're playing. This is why the Royals are playing uh, two counties, two different municipalities off each other very smartly, because basically one is operating as the fallback of the other. And if, if one goes south, the hope is that the other one is still there waiting as a viable option. Got it. Eric Fisher, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Up next, I spoke to Chris Giles, founder and CEO of Fan Rally, which, as you'll hear, is a platform that reimagines the ticketing experience and other parts of the fan team relationship. He was also previously an executive with the Oakland Days, and so I had a question or two about that. That conversation is next. All right, I'm joined now by Chris Giles, founder and CEO of Fan Rally. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much, Owen. So just start basic. Uh, what is Fan Rally? How does it work? Uh, so Fan Rally is a membership platform for teams and entertainment properties uh, that allows members to flexibly manage their seats through credits. So they can have a dollar credit. They can have a set of vouchers. They can have a set of subscription privileges. Um, they can change their seats. They can move their seats. All of those things are done in a few clicks so they don't have to navigate uh, you know, pretty outdated ticketing system flows to do returns and that sort of thing. Just understanding that the modern consumer uh, wants flexibility and standard season tickets really don't provide it. Yeah. And you started this um, well, working for the Oakland Days, right? They had this, this uh, I think it was called the Treehouse yep. membership or something like that, where there's like a standing room spot where you don't even need a ticket. You can just show up. Is that right? Yeah, we started with uh, the Treehouse Pass, um, and that really opened our eyes to the world of uh, subscription. In other words, as a member, you should be able to come to the park when you want. And so we subsequently launched a program called A's Access, uh, which was a subscription membership program um, that really enabled a lot of flexibility uh, for the fans to come and go as they please uh, just by paying a, a monthly subscription. Do you think, you know, w- what you're doing speaks to a new kind of fan experience that teams might be leaning into, whether or not they're, they're using you guys, um, that, that is just sort of a, a, new, a new way of enjoying sports? 100%. I think teams realize that if they don't elevate the member experience, there's really little incentive with the prevalence of tickets being available on the secondary market for the consumer to commit. Uh, to any sort of membership. Um, And we also know that today's buyers are very different than, 
you know, the 55 year old season ticket holder that we've had for years and years. Um, they're highly focused on flexibility. They're looking for new experiences. In other words, they don't want to sit in the same seat over and over and over again. They want to go with different groups, uh, different sized groups. So standard kind of seat blocks that are uh, inherent in season ticket packages are challenging as well. And they want to manage everything on their mobile device. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so you were with the, you're the chief operating officer of the Oakland days for two and a half years under the, the current owner, John Fisher and president Dave Cavill. Um, obviously they've gotten a whole lot of scrutiny o- over the last, you know, especially the last six months. And even before then, how, how do you think this is this whole thing? I mean, in the fans have really, you know, been through a, a roller coaster here and they're still on it. Um, just what, what's your, your take on all that? The fans in Oakland were the the most passionate, engaged fans I've encountered in my entire career. And I think the hardest part about this process is just seeing their reaction. Um, I'm still connected to a lot of them on Twitter. Um, and they're heartbroken, I think, is the only way to, to really put it. Um, and that's, that's really tough to watch. And so um, th- there's obviously a lot of reasons why the team has gone down this path. But it's not because of the lack of passion uh, from the fan base. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm in the area too, and and yeah, I've been seeing it too. I agree, and actually, the drums have have been taken home for except for the protest games. Um, all right, Chris Giles, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Coming up, we have a conversation with reigning NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner. Sauce is just 22, but he's already made a name for himself both on and off the field. We talked about what he's been up to and the Aaron Rodgers experience so far. That's coming up next. Joined now by New York Jets cornerback Sauce Gardner. Welcome, Sauce. Hey, man. I appreciate you for having me, man. How you doing? Yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, doing well. So you're wrapping up your first offseason after your first year in the NFL. How'd you spend your summer? Doing B-dubs commercials. <laughs> you know, doing stuff with B-dubs for the most part. Besides that, working out. Yeah, so he went undercover as a Buffalo Wild Wings uh, waiter. Uh, how, how was that? Did you surprise anyone? And it was great. You know, that's uh, one of the main things that, you know, just attracts me to being a partner with uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, they're just so fun and creative. That's one of the ideas that they brought up, and I was just all in with it. You know, I had a great time being able to just be a waiter by the name of D-Roy because, you know, I was defensive rookie of the year. You know, <clears throat> me being able to just uh, troll the customers that came in, you know, eat food off their plate. Pour sauce, sauce all over their wings that they had, you know, just do little trolls, stuff like that. You know, um, it was just a great, great opportunity. And uh, I appreciate Buffalo Wild Wings for, you know, just allowing me to do that. And did you get to do the reveal of, yeah, guess what? I'm not D-Roy and surprise some folks. Oh, yeah, I did that at the end. There was a lot of Jets fans there as well, so... So, yeah, speaking of the Jets, you've been getting you, you always get a lot of attention as a New York team this year. It's going to be amplified with Aaron Rodgers around. Has the vibe felt different this year? Uh, I, I would probably say yes, you know, in a good way, though, you know, um, a lot more confidence, even more of a competitive spirit. You know, everybody just all all in, you know, on the main goal. So looking forward to it. Yeah. And, you know, Rodgers, obviously, he gets a lot of attention. He's he's a legend. He's a superstar. He's also a pretty unconventional human being. What's he like in the clubhouse? Great guy. You know, just one of those guys every day, 
you know, he's sitting at a different table in the cafeteria, you know, just getting to, getting to know his teammates even more, you know, just little stuff like that. Yeah, that just raises the standard even more, you know, because if he could do it, everybody else could do it. So he's just been a natural leader, you know, the elephant in the room, like everyone else, everyone else says, you know. Uh, he just helped the team in a lot of ways already. You know, I'm looking forward to it this upcoming season. Yeah, cool. Has he talked about why he chose the Jets? Uh, nah, he really didn't. Yeah, I guess it'll always it'll remain a mystery. I mean, no, nah, it's not it's not a mystery. He didn't say it before, but he don't just always just rave about why, you know. He, he said how he, he have a good defense, wanted to play for a good defense, you know, have a lot of young studs on the team. I mean, you know, that's exactly what, what we do have. And um, little do you know, we just happy to have him, you know, um, we just we're ready for all of it to mesh together and just, you know, just show the world on Sundays, Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah, sounds good. Um, what's it like been having the the hard knocks crew following you guys around? It's been a distraction or you having fun with it or what's that like? Uh, no, nah, it haven't really been a distraction. You know, they're just recording the beginning, beginning uh, parts of our long journey. That's all. That's how I think about it. You know, other people from the outside looking in say it's a distraction. Because Gosala might have called it a distraction before it happened, but the way he see it, that we handle it, you know, um, I'm sure he's pretty, he's all right with it now. Yeah. Um, obviously, your rookie year went went really well. You got Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, what was the biggest learning curve for you, though? <clears throat> you know, just being first, first time in the NFL. Uh, I'll probably say the speed of the game, you know what I mean? Uh, and the intelligence of the offensive coordinators. Um, if I'm lacking, if I'm slacking one of the plays, they're going to see it up top and, you know, they're going to try to go after it. You know, they're going to try to go after me. And it's not just me, it's the other corners in the, in the league. And, you know, it's not just offensive coordinators. You got defense coordinators, you got all type of coaches there. They're just intelligent, and, you know, uh, you think you about to give a rep half effort and they're going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, I've been watching, you know, that show quarterback on Netflix where you really get inside, you know, what it's like day to day, week to week. Um, I was been wondering, you know, if they did a cornerback show, what kind of insights we'd get like, and that's the sort of thing you, you think about where it's like, yeah, you slack on one play, they're going to see that. So yeah, I'm just curious if you had any, any other ideas about sort of, sort of those nuances inside the game that we might not see just watching on TV. I'd probably say that's the main one. You know, you got to be on your P's and Q's every single snap. So, yeah, that's the main one. Yeah. Um, you you finished your college degree last year at University of Cincinnati. Why was that important to you? Um, just knowing that I just motivate the youth. You know, just knowing that, you know, the, the, the good parents, you know, they're always going to tell their kids to finish school so I didn't want to be the reason that some kids don't finish school you know what I mean I just wanted to check every box and just knowing I promised my mom if I was going to go to declare for the draft early that I was going to make sure I got that done I would make sure I uh, got my college degree at the soon earliest convenience you know and that's exactly what I did I didn't want to do it before my rookie season or during it because, you know I didn't know what to expect but after that after the, my first season, you know, getting all of those accolades, I feel like it just made sense for me to do it. Yeah. And so when were you finishing up that schoolwork? If it was, it was during the summer or yeah, when was it? Yeah, it was during the summer. It was right after, right after the, um, the season. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what kind of field do you think you'd go into if you weren't a football player? Uh, you know, which direction do you see yourself going in? I don't even know. I couldn't even. I couldn't even tell you, man. Football is my life. You know what I mean? I can't see myself doing nothing else. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Do you feel like you've had to deal with the business side of the sport, um, or is it still maybe a few years out for you? Uh, I mean, I'd have had to deal with a lot of at an early age, at the um, early part of my in my career. You know, it's it's cool though. You know, uh, nothing I can't handle. You know, um, I'm just looking forward to just growing. Yeah, yeah. And what's that New York market been for you? I mean, the NFL it gets so much attention. Anywhere you go, if you're especially, you know, if, if you're playing as well as you are. But, you know, New York, there's always an extra spotlight. Can you feel that, you know, it's when you're, even when you're practicing, when you're playing, when you're talking to the media? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I knew it was going to be there. I knew what I was getting myself into. You know what I mean? Having the name Sauce as well. Like, I knew it was all going to, you know, bring attention to me. But, you know, me just knowing that I'm going to put the work in to back everything up. That's all that matters. If you're playing good... You know, I had nothing to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. And that sauce name, am I right? That that comes from like a sixth grade coach or something who just, you know, because you're you're bringing it out on the field, they gave you that name? Yeah, that's when I was six years old. Oh, six years old. Wow, not six years old. Yeah, six years old. Because I was on the young side even more. So have you been playing football since you were six years old? Yeah, I actually started when I was like five. Because when I got the nickname, I was on my second team. That was my second team. Because I was getting older. Uh, before that, I was playing for the Pop Warner Knights. So I think I was like four or five. Yeah. Uh, so do you feel like you're, you're in a way kind of a, a veteran of the game, even though, you know, you're only entering your second year? I, well, no, I just take it one year at a time. I don't really think too deep. I don't think too deep into it. You know, I'm still a student of the game. You know, I'm still a sponge when it comes to just being willing to learn. Uh, from older guys, from younger guys, from guys my age. I mean, so I don't really think like, I don't think like yeah. that. Yeah. What are your goals for this year? Be the best teammate I could be, you know, uh, contribute as much as I can, you know, uh, to our main goal, which is winning the Super Bowl. Um, just dominate. All right. Sauce Gardner, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. That is it for today. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you're listening, and leave us a rating or review while you're there. Give me a shout on Twitter. I'm at Owen Poindexter. I always enjoy hearing from listeners. Thanks again to Eric Fisher, Chris Giles, and Sauce Gardner. And thanks to you for listening. We will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.